Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. Another Monday, the gang is back, and oh my God, we are literally better than ever, and we'll get to that next. But I'm your host, as always, Timuchin here in Chicago. Uh, with us, as always, is Gally. Gally, what's happened? Ah, not too much. Hanging out. Got a sick dog at home. Had to take an emergency vet visit at the end of my work day today. So, you know, everything we're all looking for on a Monday. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect Monday. But speaking of perfect, we have Bickler here who has finally moved out of the stadium or got kicked out of the stadium eventually and has his brand new wall behind. So proud. Bickler, what's happening? Dude, happy to be here. It only cost me my shirt sleeves to get it, and so we're we're off and running. <laughs> yes, this looks uh, almost a little scary. Uh, but what's more scary is this week's trivia. Ryan says, "Sun's out, guns out." Uh, I mean, listen, the way the housing market is right now, I'm dipping my toes slowly into OnlyFans and making it happen. Okay. <laughs> Scary, scary, scary. And please, whatever you do, don't share that handle or any links in the comments. <laughs> yes, please don't. Please don't. I uh, want to keep going here. Okay, so uh, let's get to trivia first. This is uh, until BJ returns. Uh, these um, steamy Houston. See what goes around comes around. Uh, Alan, you were bragging about how nice and warm it was while we were freezing our ass off. In winter, now you can enjoy the steam uh, of Houston over there. Pretty decent in Chicago, actually. But let's get to trivia. Until BJ returns, usually I'm looking for trivia. Then I run into some interesting stats that kind of shocks me. And I'm like, I bet you it will shock these guys, too, and they'll never get it right. So I make it the trivia question. So we've been talking about a couple of weeks, obviously. Um, one of them is pretty much a done deal with Henderson. Uh, once Fabinho's vicious dogs get figured out, uh, <laughs> it should be like a complete deal as well. Uh, heads up if you have a French <laughs> somewhere. Okay, uh, Fab and Hando. I'm going to give you guys the number of appearances they've made, and I want you guys to give me the total number of goals and assists they've had during this period. Pretty simple. Any questions before we move on further? Bickler. Nope. Now we'll try to ruin it. Why, why'd you ask me? <laughs> it's pretty simple, but yes, give it a shot. Let's start with Fab. 219 appearances, goals, and assists. We'll start with this one. We'll start with you, Bickler. Uh, uh, 200 plus apps. I, I mean, I'll go 15 goals. Seems low, but I'll go 15 goals. Uh, 40 assists. Galley, what do you got? Galley's over there doing math. That's yeah, Galley's like, I, I thought about the, the 15 actually sounded like a possibly like it might be a little high to me. So I'm actually gonna go a little lower. I'm gonna go 12 goals, 25 assists. See, this is the shocking, but I think the goals were all about the same, right? Uh, 11 goals is okay, what so. he's had. Uh, but you would assume in all these appearances, and we've had some like, you know, kick-ass games with a number of goals, nine assists during this entire time. That's not, that's not too surprising. I know it's way off my wrist, but you guys got to think about where the goals come from. They all come yeah. from wide areas. Yeah, but you would yeah. think, you know, like a long ball or, I mean, in the box after yeah. like a set piece, yeah. something, you know, like because he's the one that kind of like recycles the stuff afterwards. He might yeah, you would have thought – yeah. You would have like, thought he would have accidentally found Mo like more than that. Yes, or like an assist. He's probably got a lot of those assists of an assist to like Trent or Rob or something like that. Yeah. So. Okay, we were all trying Hendo. to get in with the hockey assist at the same time. Four ninety-two for Henderson Galley. Four hundred and ninety-two appearances. How many goals? How many assists? I'm even more depressed that he was eight appearances away from five hundred, and he's going to get him in fucking Saudi Arabia. Sorry. Um, 492 otherwise good way to stall for bickler to find some more time yeah. uh well we all know i ain't mathing so you're fine yeah it's a good point and if you did you would just give us some crazy ass answer like 73 <laughs> plus two um 
Hey, that's offensive. Come on. Yeah, see, with Bigler, I'm not worried he's going to Google the wrong name or something. So, like, <laughs> he'd read off Gerard's stats. He had on there. Is- Ibrahimovic, I got him right here. Like, All I got is Harry and the Hendersons over here. Okay? <laughs> I think this number two is probably like, it's probably way too high because I don't think he ever had more than like five or six in a season. I'm going to say he's scored in 492 appearances. Maybe 25, 22 goals. And I'm going to say he has about 50 assists. And that's probably way high. How about you there, Bickler? I'll go 26 goals and I go 35 assists. Damn, really? I'm going to have to give the edge to Galley on this one. A lot closer. Uh, 33 goals, 58 assists. Um, which, to be honest, I think the number is pretty high, but it's still like the game assist ratio is like 8.48, which is, you know, for a midfielder, especially for one. I mean, sadly, 492 games includes the games that these two started as center backs. But still, uh, overall, as a midfield player, you would think. Uh, that ratio would be higher contribution-wise. And I know that's not how we play and everything, but one thing that kind of like led me to this was watching the preseason games and especially McAllister and how influential he is already with like the final pass, making the final pass from midfield as opposed to coming from the wings and stuff. And I would think, you know, at that pace, uh, at the pace he has, and obviously like his inferior competition, all that kind of good stuff, but I would think he would like crush these numbers if he had... 500 games and stuff like that but yeah it's odd numbers you would think if we can replace the work rates we're talking about and we're, i'm gonna talk a lot about we're gonna talk a lot about like clubs uh interview today because i want to get some like feedback from you guys on what you guys thought overall but um really number wise the output is not that staggering to replace when it comes to goals and assists and i know that's not how we play and these guys did a lot more other than that stuff. But if you can get players who can do that and be able to contribute to the scoring, that's a double. So let's get to uh, that. But before we even get to that, uh, let's get to this. So we just started our editorials on our YouTube channel. Uh, basically, a lot of the contributors will just be posting videos on the news that happened that day or some topic that seems to be hot and give their take on it and stuff. Uh, I already did one on Henderson. I know Galli had one on Mbappe and Matush did one actually late last night regarding, you know, in terms of like season and how to keep things in perspective and stuff like that. One thing we're doing, Bickler will be shortly doing one of these videos. So you guys will be excited to find out with this new background. And one thing we're doing, and I'm going to do it right now too, is, you know, if you're following us, uh, if you're listening to the podcast right now, uh, do us a favor, uh, give us a like and a subscription on our YouTube channel as well. Even if you don't follow us on YouTube, uh, just a like and a subscribe definitely goes a long way. And you should follow us on YouTube because we do, I mean, if you only follow us via podcast, we do a lot of uh, additional contents on the uh, YouTube channel that obviously is not available for podcasts. But uh, so give us a like and subscribe, which during the editorial galley, you and I know we are asking for these uh, likes and subscribes, you know, smash that button and stuff like that. So since Bickler hasn't done one, I kind of figured Bickler, you could use the like the practice to ask people to smash that like button yeah. or follow us, subscribe. So take like 15, 30 seconds. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting tactic. You know, like get me into it by just ambushing me live on a pod. That's a real, Pretty much. real nice motivational tap. Fell, fell, it was the most effective way to actually get you to do something. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe, smash that like button. Cool facts yeah. on a Monday night. So, yeah. Uh, why do Alan wants to know uh, tattoo numbers? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <we're> not, <laughs> Alan wants to do a little survey on tattoo numbers. I'm definitely bringing the average down at zero. Uh, let's put it that way over here. So Pickler's got enough for the both of us, yes. so we're good. I think yeah. he's got enough for both of us on one arm, maybe on that shoulder. <laughs> it's so, just, okay, I only Pickler. have like three tattoos. I only have like three. They're just big. That's all. So, Bigler, give us before, a like and subscribe practice over here before we head I, on. I just did it. I just did it. 
I hope you do better in the editorial because I didn't even catch it. Did you catch it, Kelly? I caught it. It was it was good. It was we were both kind of laughing and making jokes over the top of it. But really, we should just get him to do it randomly, and then we should get actually Maka to cut Bickler doing the like this, and we should make that a drop so everyone can just use Bickler's voice telling everyone to smash the subscribe button during all this. And I'm gonna do it. I'll do it obnoxiously whenever I disagree with your one of your takes. Perfect. That's how you'll never agree. I won't even I like say it. I don't agree. I'll just say like and subscribe. Smash that like button. <laughs> uh, there you go. That's a clip to cut right there. Yes, we'll get right on that. Okay. Uh, so let's get to some Liverpool stuff. Uh, the main thing I want to cover, we'll talk about a little bit about the preseason games as well. Uh, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week or how much it means, but there's some like performance to kind of look at, I think. Let's start with the transfers. Obviously, the part of the interview was his old upbringing and the background in Germany and stuff like that. But uh, the team-related parts, I mean, it pretty much started with him saying there will be more transfers and there's no problem with that. Uh, it's good. Like, it's in the works. It's happening. And he seemed like a person very con- content with what's happening. And he almost knew, like, what's going to happen. Am I the only one who got that impression, Gally? Because he didn't, he wasn't like the usual club. We'll see what happens, you know, markets, blah, blah, blah. He was very specific on it's going to happen. And he acted like he knew exactly what was coming his way. Yeah, it's going to happen. It has to happen, I think, is exactly what he said. But we got three or four weeks. So just let it happen. Be patient with us. That's a different message than last year when it was. I trust this squad. I have players in this squad. They're here for us. If the right player becomes available, we'll go after them. But if we need players, you know, we don't need it. And then when this transfer window ended, he was like, we really needed players and I shouldn't have stopped them all from coming in, but never came out and said, it's my fault. They're not coming in. Cause well, that would mean raising your right hand and taking some blame. Um, I took it as a little bit of bravado. I think he does know what's coming. And I think part of that is, is he actually has a working day-to-day relationship with the guy who is in charge of bringing in players. And I think what we should be taking out of this, in my opinion, is that the actual relationship with him and Ward was much worse than we actually knew or saw or even believed it was. And it led to Ward literally walking out after his first summer and being like, I can't, I, I can't, I won't work with this guy. And I think he's got his buddy in place now and he's confident in a player or two is coming in. And I think we'll get one this week. I do. I almost feel like, yeah, we're waiting for the, the the dog fiasco and Fabinho's contract to be complete. And it would, it's going to happen similar to Soboslai, where we're going to find out within 24 hours he's going to be doing his medical and boom, he's going to be there. Uh, but at the same time, Bickler, obviously we're kind of getting impatient knowing club and knowing how long it takes to vet in players especially at freaking midfield where kind of like a lot goes into it. I think it's a bit easier. Like we saw Diaz go right in. You kind of saw Gakpo kind of go right in, not by choice maybe in Gakpo's situation, but I think it's a lot easier to kind of like plug in a winger who mostly knows, but not midfield, not in the center of midfield, especially defensive midfield. So are you confident with clubs like we got this, it's going to happen, or are you worried that it's taking so long? So, like, and subscribe. I, I have this, like, growing anxiety that this is starting to feel like every other window where we've said, oh, we're for, we don't have a choice. We for sure are going to get somebody. And the only difference is that he said this window that we are. And unfortunately, like, his word just doesn't mean a whole lot to me in the scope of things. We kind of run down this. So, like <clears> – <throat> You know, you mentioned that we're waiting for everything to clear with the Fabinho situation. But, but like, my, my thing is why? Why? You know, like, we've, we have the money. The money is there. There's no reason to wait for this. Like, so say something dramatic happens and Fabinho doesn't move. I don't, like, you know, that the chances of that happening are, like, single-digit small. But say that happened. Say he didn't move. I still think we need a midfielder. So, like, I, I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand, like, why you would wait for, for things to clear the books right now. Like, um, it, in yeah, I don't – I I think it happens. I think we get somebody, but I don't love the fact that this feels like every other window where we've been like, oh. Could it be because of the player? 
like could the player be waiting to make sure that spot is open for them? Let's say you know you're talking Lavia and he's considering it. It's possible, but I mean this just goes back to your. This goes back to Jurgen needing the ability to like to sell a system that rotates to protect players and to have real depth though. Like yeah. that's another manager issue. Like in in like if if the player is waiting, we we haven't learned or he hasn't learned that the, the system has fundamentally got to change. Um, and like so that doesn't make me feel great either. But like I, I, we'll see what happens. I, I think you're right. I think I, I do think we will get somebody. I just, I feel like, I don't feel like we're any deeper. That's my huge issue. I don't feel like we're deeper going into this year in the midfield. What do you think, Gallon? Like I said, I'm just like making that up as a possible reason that, you know, like somebody who wants to come in says, well, I do want that spot open, though. I'm not going to, I don't want to sit behind Fab all year. Because he does know probably Klopp, but if Fab is there, he's going to be studying all the time. Uh, what do you think the reason for the wait is? Is it waiting for the wrong guy? Uh, trying to because it's almost like if Fab is gone, it's not like we're going to be in a better bargaining situation, or will we be once the season starts and they're like, "Hey, nobody else is in the market for this guy, so now give him to us for 40. Because you're right. enabled disabling the other team to get a replacement. If they're I think they want. I think they want the cash in hand and to know that they're selling a player for forty million that they didn't intend on selling, because I think that they have, I think they have fire like, they have embers out in a bunch of little fires and they have to decide which one they want to really ignite. Some people believe like Lavia is done, and it just needs like a rubber stamp. And as soon as Fab's gone, he comes in and we pay Southampton what they want. Others think that they are still holding out hope that Real Madrid is going to swoop in and buy Mbappe right at the last minute and that we'll be forced to sell one of the prize midfielders and then we'll actually stump up real money and invest above what we're buying and, and try to get a higher level player. Like, I do feel like there is this, there's an issue that there's a race for number sixes all across Europe and there aren't any really top-notch ones available, yet the price is being quoted for everyone is high level. I mean... Paulinho at 80 million is a joke from Fulham. Crystal Palace wanting 60 million for Decore is crazy. Lavia having less than 40 starts and then wanting 50 million for a teenager is pretty insane. But these are the prices being quoted. And Declan Rice just went for 90. Yeah. And, you know, like these are the reasons for this. And I, I just feel like right now we're, we're out there making sure that we look at everything. And at the end, when all the when the music stops, I do believe that we'll have two more players come in. And at this point, I think they're both going to be in the midfield. To Paul's point about the depth, we weren't that deep last season. We talked about it. They were just injury-prone players that didn't actually make an impact. We are going to have to deal with the fact that part of the depth this year is relying on kids. It is Bashatich, it is Harvey, and it is Curtis Jones. They are three of our depth, and we bought two starters. Can we get two more is really the question. And I think the more I look at this preseason, Klopp, inverted or not, Klopp looks like he thinks Trent might be an option in the midfield. And that's, I don't even think that's because of numbers right now. I think he really is starting to see him as a midfielder. And Connor Bradley's making an argument that he's a better right back. Is he though? Uh he was the second highest rated player today, and Klopp talked about him personally in both press conferences, yeah, Klopp, talking about how well he's played. Paulio too, but we were talking about that before we started the show. But he's the guy. He's the guy who. He he is the guy who started. He could have started McAllister at the six. He could have started one of the kids if he wanted to. I mean, he started Trenton back to back matches in the actual six position, and raved about how well he played. I don't know because I haven't watched it, but I just read what he's saying. He's saying all the right things that either Trent is in that position or in the running for that position, or it's going to be some form of a double pivot more often than not this year. And that might change the profile of the player they're looking at. And that's the thing. I think, you know, we're looking at, you know, the number of players. And I think, you know, like, yeah, in terms of depth, I agree with Bickler. Yeah, yeah the numbers got really, really thin. Mm -hmm. But in terms of numbers of number of people available is probably or regularly available, you're hoping is about the same. But you got to figure, you know, like Curtis had problems in the past. It's not like all these. I mean, Sobosla is, you know, 
has a knock right now and stuff like that. So it's no guarantee that whatever we have is going to stay healthy now because they were healthy in the past. No. I guess the question comes then, Bickler, is are you more looking for two guys for that depth or a guy like Galley saying more a higher profile guy? That's going to be a guaranteed, not a guaranteed, but like a starter. Uh, and, you know, you're okay with just bringing one solid starter, whether it be Decora or Polina, like, you know, or uh, Lavia. If I was bringing in two players and they were both going in the mid, I would want at least one of them to be a lock starter and one to be an understudy. Preferably, I mean, I I think we need a – despite what's going on with Trent, I still think we need a lock starter for somebody that plays a a more defensive-minded midfielder. Uh, Yeah. I know know McAllister can do it, but it's like you don't – like just because he can doesn't mean you want him to. So – because honestly, yeah. if you rewind like three weeks back, uh, our names in terms of like the death shot maybe we had for that position, both of them have moved on. I mean, you would have thought Fab, and then you could have seen Handel starting that, you know, more of like a defensive role with the age and stuff like that. And we basically lost both of them. So next topic I want to get to, and this is where I was kind of confused with what he was really saying. Overall, you listen to the interview, and it's very promising. I mean, honestly... It's kind of hard to go into an interview like that and say the wrong things, I guess. But he said two things, Yali. He said talking about like a reboot and, you know, obviously we have a lot of young players and we need that reboot. And, you know, fans want the same guys, but still the reboot, that's not going to happen and stuff like that. But then he also kind of like touched up on the fact that we were very close. I know he was mainly talking about Champions League, but he mentioned that we were very close. Were we really that close? Like he mentioned a couple of games, like penalties missed and stuff. Because I could have, you know, obviously it's LFC TV, so that's not going to happen. But I could have flipped that question, and there were so many games, like the Newcastle game with Carvalho's goal and stuff, where we had really no business winning three points either. We were not close. Is he just saying that to make the test not look so damning? Yes. I mean, let's be real. We weren't that close. We... We still finished five or six points off, by the way. Like, everyone acts like we fell out by one point and we were one point away from Champions League. We weren't. We got tired and we drew two matches down the stretch we shouldn't have. And even that wouldn't have put enough pressure on. And to be fair, everyone else kind of fell off at the end of the season between Brighton, Arsenal, Tottenham, United. Newcastle, they all kind of lost steam at the end of the year, and that just opened the door for us to have a chance. He says we were were close because he can think of Mo missing penalties that would have got us three points instead of one and one point instead of zero. And we can all say, like, we stole a point on opening day against Fulham. We should have lost. Like, there were so many opportunities. And then you look at the fact that we lost to Bournemouth, like, period. End of story. We lost to a team we beat 9-0. You're not making Champions League if you do that second half of the season. So we were a long way off of Champions League. We're not a long way off right now, in my opinion, but we were a long way off last year, and anything else is just excuse-making or deflecting. But does that kind of conflict, Bickler, with what he's talking about doing the reboots and going back to the basics and stuff like that? Because obviously you were that far off that you got to kind of go back to square one and start over again in terms of, you know, uh, you know, doubters, the believers and stuff like that, you know, going back to square one. And I mean, the stuff he's talking about in terms of like being responsible and things like that, he's almost rebuilding the team, the team concept. But really, if you look at it, there's only two new people in there. It's the same players that he had plus the young guys. Yeah, I think, I think when you have to move a squad to its next iteration and you don't do it fast enough, you get caught in a spot where you either have to refresh the entire system or you have to refresh the entire roster of players. And I think the problem that I have is that I don't have confidence that we're doing either one of those. Like, it seems like we're just kind of, it seems like we're going to make a little bit of a tweak to the system and put a little bit of new players here and there sprinkled in and expect us to go back to peak you know, 2021. And I just, I don't know. Um, But you think though, if we get two new two other midfielders, right? Aside from your back line, you literally 
pretty much change your midfield by adding four midfielders. You can probably count Gakpo as, I mean, you have youth up top. Is that enough of a change in terms of getting younger and a turnaround? In terms of getting younger, yeah, but like getting younger and turning the system around to being like a contender are two different things. Like when I look at the squads around us, it seems like they're getting like – the moves that United have made, I mean, we talk shit about them all the time, but the moves that United make, the, the moves that City continue to make, the the moves that Arsenal are making are significant moves of improvement, right? Um, if we spend $50 million on Labia, are we that much better tomorrow? No, maybe not. Maybe in two or three seasons, yeah, but, like, not tomorrow. Um, and and I think that's that's the scary thing. But I do think we signed two midfield oh, – sorry. Sorry. I mean, if we do sign the two midfielders and you upgraded your midfield, I think we can agree that you don't really need an upgrade or a rehash of your front line. I mean, we kind of see the depth and the quality up there. I think to me, the only question mark, your goalie is a top, top goalie. The only question remains for the most part, probably your depth and defense. Aside from that, like if we said, oh, no, we need more changes. I can't think of another area where we would say, yeah, we need more changes there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Matip and Gomez have been shockingly poor from what I've read in two preseason matches. And from what I read today, Matip literally had one of his worst matches ever for Liverpool. And he only played for 45 minutes, which is kind of scary. Um, and he was real, real poor. And Gomez wasn't much better. So that that is a little scary to me. There's no question there. You know, I know what Paul's saying. Other teams are making big moves. I feel like we bought two midfielders that right now are two of the are as good of two midfielders or could be as good of two midfielders as we've had at a talent level in five or eight years and maybe under Klopp. I mean, this is Henderson and Genie at their peak as far as talent goes. So if you can talk about Adam Alana like that, and it is, it's tough to talk about a guy who played less than Nabby, but everyone loved him because he's English. Um, he he was available as much as Nabby was during his Liverpool career, but amazing everyone loves side him. part though. Right, right. I know that's a good point. There's no side part. Uh, I I just look at these guys and think to myself like they're a different breed. You talked about it earlier, Tamuch, in the final pass from midfield, having plays created in the middle of the park instead of the outsides. By all accounts, Gakpo started today in an eight in the eight, and then at times was actually playing in the ten behind Jota. And they dropped McAllister back and we're playing more with him and Trent kind of in a double pivot. So who knows? Maybe maybe the combination of what they're seeing out of Jota, who's looked really fresh and good. Darwin, who arguably has been the best of all the attackers so far over two matches. Like, we might be about to unleash what Paul's been asking for. Like, maybe Klopp needed his hand forced and Carvalho can cry and whine at his German camp about why he wasn't given a shot. And maybe Gakpo's giving him a reason and a forcing his way into playing a new formation. And Carvalho really never made the gaffer think there was a reason to switch up his preferred formation. And I think Darwin, Jota, Gakpo, Diaz, Mo, they're letting you know there's they could be every bit as good as any other attacking side in all of Europe if those guys click together. And, you know, against lower level competition so far, they are. So, Bickler, then let me get back to your point because you said you either change the system uh, or you change like a like overhaul uh, the squad. I mean, knowing Klopp, changing the system is not much of an option. It's going to be like little tweaks there. I mean, for you to consider an overhaul, aside from defense, like would you expect to like add anything else to say yes, we overhauled? So I wouldn't expect anything else in this window, right? Because I know how this works and I know how we operate as a club, but I think we're like two or three windows short on a lot of this stuff. We've had a lot of windows to address right back depth. You know, Ramsey didn't work out. I mean, in terms of just being injured, bad luck. We'll see what happens there. But we still haven't, we haven't addressed a right-sided attacker. We just continued to pile up on left-sided attackers. We still didn't address center back depth. Like we were too slow to turn the midfield over. So like my thing is, is like when I say like you either refresh the roster, or you refresh the system. That is like, if you know you're not refreshing the system, you're refreshing the roster gradually as you see fit. Right. And I think the problem is, is that we saw this thing 
and we ran it until the wheels came off instead yep. of like looking at these players and being like, Oh shit. In two years, this would be the oldest starting 11 in the premier league. Why did it take somebody like as a commentator, making making that on the game one when we're just, what the hell is going on with Fulham? Make that comment to us to be like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, and I, I really think like, this is one of those things where like, I think we tend to deify people in a club when things are well, right? I think we've done that with Jurgen Klopp. I think to a degree we did that with Michael Edwards. But I will say this club stopped doing business at the elite level when Michael Edwards walked out the door. And I'm not just talking about in, in who we acquired from a transfer standpoint. I'm talking about like how we let players go into who and for how much. I'm talking about how we like rotated new products in and where. Like, I mean, I just think at the top level – we were the club that, like, dude, we had Roma calling us and asking us how, like, asking us for financial advice for their situation. Roma was on the line asking us, like, hey, how do we dig ourselves out of this situation? Like, we, we just, had a great idea. Sell us your two best players for undervalued price. Right, right, exactly. I have an offer for you. But so, so what do we do with this money now, right? But I just think, I think when he left, we stopped doing the out business the way that we needed to do it. So do Which to me is as important as the ends. Because that's the person that's changing. Do we? Because we tend to put it more on Klopp in terms of like hanging out to certain players and not getting any money for them. Should we put it on Ward instead? Yeah. No, I, I think it's been on Klopp all along because Klopp's always been the one who's always said, I'm a manager who doesn't believe in forcing players out of a club. There's only one person who can force a player to understand they need to be somewhere else. And Pep's learned how to do it better than anyone because he forces like young players like Leroy Sané to ask to leave and then they get huge fees. And then he forces guys like Sterling out in their primes after having huge years and like upticks. And then he helps Pep guys. Just, like, do you think Pep just makes it so their key cards don't work? Like I, they can't swipe into the building? Well, I, I think he's kind of like, but I think he's kind of like Jose. I think the first day it's a joking little like slide comment in the canteen. Like, hey, you know, next week you might be at Roma. And then the next day it's like a, a little joke. And then it's eventually it's, they don't get talked to in practice. And they're practice. And then it's like tomorrow you're going to train with the reserves or I'll give you the morning off to have some meetings with your agent. And then all of a sudden they secure a move that profits they go somewhere else and they do fine for themselves. Like, but he I coaches up players and sells. The tricky part is still being able to, because I mean, you can get as people, you know, like when you manage people, you can get them. There are ways to make them want to go instead of you making them go. But I think the trick that they've had, Galley, is the fact that they've kept value at it. Usually, when the word gets out that the dude wants out and he doesn't want to play, you kind of sell him at bargain prices because you know everybody knows he wants out. Well, but look what they do. They bring they bring they they jettison Cancelo. They basically send Cancelo from your fantasy team right to the bench. He's still there, baby. Like, I know he is. The name of my team this season, just so you know, are Bench Cancelos. That's the name of my fantasy team. Um, but, uh, no, they sent them to Bayern, right? But what do they do? They didn't have the offers. Bayern didn't come in to buy them. Pep called him right back in and is out there lauding him right now as he's playing, like, third backup right back. And he's like, hey, he's a big part of this setup. We need him. We're going to use him. And if he doesn't want to play, well, he'll sit – on the bench. He's here. He's under contract. Someone's going to buy him by the end of the window. He's got too much talent. He'll find a place. But I do believe Pep is not, he's ruthless. He's ready to cut you out. Get, he'll bring you back in and give you another shot. I mean, the guy took his player of the year in Ruben Diaz. The poor guy literally had to have surgery because he had like an appendicitis at the end of training camp. He brought his fifth string Akanji in and gave him the starting job all the way through the Champions League final. Like, John Stones was dead and was arguably their second or third best player down the stretch of last season. You could argue him and Rodri are the reason they won the Champions League final. They're playing the midfield on the way to it. Like, he, I'll be honest, last season I earned a level of respect for Pep, the man, manager, and coach, because I paid more attention to what he did. And I know I said this stat before. The fact that that team 
had less matches lost than any other side to injury than any other championship side in the Premier League history is amazing. And the fact that they played the second fewest amount of players of anyone in the top flight last year shows he rotates and manages his squad better than anyone. And like, it's scary if the checkbook manager has also figured out how to be the best squad manager. Because may not stop. I mean, yes, he's still a checkbook manager because you do have the luxury of being wrong. And you do have the luxury of, you know, buying somebody at 40, 50. Calvin Phillips. I guess it just didn't pan out. Whereas for us, when we spend that much, he better be a lock. Because uh, you know, Crazy, though, is they had the best summer transfer window with a positive net spend and got the best player on the market. So it's like top to bottom, they're just smashing it from a business standpoint. And, but and I do know what you're saying about this. Let's go back to us because that's the point that I was trying to get um, is if that's the case and we are putting it on club, is it just Edwards being able to say, hey, we'll sell Brewster over here but we'll do this, like maybe providing alternatives, Bickler, to Klopp so that he can sell Klopp on the concept of moving on from people. Because, you know, last week's trivia, I think it was, right? We talked about our top 10 sales and stuff, and there were a couple of players from that era, like young guys like Solanke and stuff like that. Was it because Edwards was able to sell this concept to Klopp or Edwards had more pull than Ward ever did? I think it's probably a combination of both of those things. But I think the main thing is that Edwards was able to make his idea Klopp's idea in their conversation. And and I think, you know, like there's egos involved. And like Jurgen's got a massive one. And I think he gets a big pass by a lot of people who don't see that. And, and I think what Edwards did more than anything was be able to like earn his trust and, and more importantly, earn his respect. Uh, in a way yeah. that I don't think Ward ever did. And Ward probably, to be fair, didn't have a shot at. Yeah, I think trust is probably a big thing, right? And I think when you have a track record of success, it's a lot easier to swing by your next idea. If I come to you with three winning ideas of a new product, uh, the fourth one I come up with might not be as hot to you, but you're like, well, this guy knows freaking something. Yeah, I guess, why not? So I think that's probably part of the deal. Because like I say... This is like a new era now. Well, a temporary new era, I guess, because he's not here for like long term. But I'm hoping it's a better working relationship that kind of it just sounded like it's from this interview. The way Klopp talked about transfers, he sounded like a guy who's more in the loop. Maybe, you know, it just came across like that, but he just like kind of like sounded like it. So let's go back to another thing he said. He talked a lot about responsibility on the ball and off the ball. I don't know if you guys listen to the full interview, but when he says that, Bickler, who do you think that, I mean, obviously it's directed at players, but do you think it's directed at certain players that they would just kind of wait and see what the other guy is going to do when we are on the ball? Uh, Not enough movements, everybody kind of like playing for themselves a little bit, because that's how I take that as, especially the on the ball stuff. The off the ball stuff, you can say laziness, work rate, and all that kind of things. But when somebody says on the ball, I take that as you're not making that – I'm not making that run to make your life easier and we're not working as a unit. But do you think that's targeted just in general or specific characters he's going after? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's targeted anyone specifically or just a general I, – I, I tend to think that's probably just the primary focus in general – for this team, especially with the amount of new blood in it. Um, I do think it's interesting that that comment comes off the back of the Curtis Jones interview where Jones talks about how essentially, I don't know how he was asked about this or how the question was phrased, but Jones basically said, when I stepped out there, my mindset was how can I advance the ball and get this ball in the back of the net? In the second half of last year, he said he developed the mindset of, I need to come back into these certain areas to recover, to cover spaces, to provide outlets, to track runners, to be a secondary asset in certain situations, to sit in the half channels, these things that he said weren't even on his radar. He didn't think about coming out. And he said when he started to develop those things, it became second nature to him where like he just genuinely enjoyed doing those things because he felt like it was part of his game. And I thought that was really interesting because we talked about Jones a lot last year and how like we'd never seen this player before from a professional standpoint, 
and from like a, an actual like skill standpoint. And it almost makes me think that like Jurgen Klopp had this exact same conversation with Curtis Jones behind a closed door. It was like, look, you want to stay here? You have all the talent in the world. You're young. These are the things you need to do, like to be here at the base level, to be a part of the squad, period. Or we move you. And like, so I, I don't know if it's targeted anyone specifically or just like maybe he saw Curtis Jones do that. He's like, we need more improvement across the board in that area. And I guess that's a good example to show others. And I almost felt like part of it, maybe in my back of my head, because Bobby is gone, that was a player that was like a perfect example of, you know, Galley over here doesn't appreciate it, but, you know, most of us do. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know what, this, is, this is for the original number 11. <laughs> but what he did in terms of like off the ball and being selfless, that's what made him great. And let's face it, that's what made Hendo great. It wasn't like on the ball. So it's a lot of like what he did. You think it's more like a message that that's the biggest thing that we got to replace and get better at because we did lose two of the players that probably did it the best and their biggest value was that. And not to mention, obviously, it's something that you want to instill across the board with newcomers included. Yeah, not disagreeing with Paul at all about that because I think it was more a general statement. But the Curtis Jones thing, I think, is a great point to make because I think probably if you gave me the off-the-ball conversation separately, right, mm-hmm. uh, and you said, who's he talking to? Pick two players out from last year. I'd probably be like Trent and Curtis because Curtis at times would just get lackadaisical, fall asleep at times in midfield and drift, go too far forward, create space behind him and put his whole defense at peril. And Trent would just forget that there are six foot four Serbian strikers on their back and let them nod things in from close range. Like multiple times when we'd be like, how does he not know that guy's there? Paul said it one day in our chats during the match. Like he just shut off to the point where he just allowed a player to drift behind him and then just watched him. Didn't yeah. even like tackle him, kick him. Like it was almost more criminal. The response was worse than the mistake. And so off the ball, I could see that. The only one on the ball maybe I think he might be talking to is Darwin. And I don't think it's actually like a criticism of him as much as you need to recognize those runs were there for you to make that would make other players better. And we want you playing through the middle of the pitch, even though you like to play on the left because we have too many left-sided players. So I think maybe it's a challenge to him. And I, I, I really do believe like, a lot of this season's like whether we're like a good team, a team that can finish third or a team that can like challenge for a trophy. I think like what we get from Darwin this year, because I, I feel like I know what we're going to get from Gakpo and I think it'll be better than last year. Hey, but Darwin, of, two wild guesses in the morning. So let's get your guys take because uh, uh, Anand actually predicted that he would have more goals than Mo. Uh, so we have a little side bet going there. But let me ask you guys, because we were talking about this morning in terms of his total goals and assists. Where would you put that, predict that, Galley, this season that you get from Nunez? I hope goals and assists combined is north of 30. Okay. Um, and I think that's a really good year. I think it's a like exceptionally great year if it's north of 40. And I think if you do that, then like we're starting to really cook with gas right. here. How about you, Bickler? Like, where do you see him? What do you see him bringing? And I think when we were talking about it, you know, we kind of maybe assume that Gak, that spot is still Gakpo's to lose. Obviously, we don't know if there's going to be a tweak in the formation and stuff like that, which almost enables. Nunez to play maybe more in the Europa and against like inferior teams where he can pad up some stats too. Oh God. Darwin's a tough one, man, because he, his, his floor is so high. Like his, his, his baseline is so high and he's still so young. I, I could see him. I could see him having a big year. I could see him going over 30 easily. Like, um, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to put in more production than Mo on, on goals and assists. I just don't see that. Nobody's I like the only one that's come close is Mane when he was like the best left winger in the world. Um, and he still didn't, 
he still didn't beat him. Uh, granted, Mo's aging. I think we are going to see Mo start to decline. I just don't think – I don't think – I think there's too much – I think Gak, I think Gakpo really puts a wrench in this thing, uh, and so does Jota. And, and I think it's I think he's got to really he's going to really have to push for some minutes in places. But I think he I do I do think he has a big year though. I could see over thirty easy. Good problems to have. I mean that's for sure, yeah. right? When we talk about the front line, and it's kind of like hard to because Jota's form, we've seen Gakpo and what he can do, and. I mean, he's young too. We're talking about some young players with like a really high ceiling. So going back to your thing, Gally, you said that was off the ball. On the ball, right? If I say this in the locker room, we're all standing around, and I in club says, hey, we got to be, you know, more responsible on the ball. Who is the person you're looking at? Because you know how that happens. You're in a meeting and somebody, you know, uh, mentions something and everybody kind of looks at the person that they know is directed at, even though it was made as a journal comment. So when he says in the locker room, if he says this in the locker room and says, hey, we got to be more responsible on the ball, who are you looking at? I mean, I, I get criticism all the time for being too hard on Tiago, but I feel like that's where, like, big eyes look at a guy with big eyes because we brought you in for moments where we are controlling the ball and need a final pass or a play. And I don't know that he's done much to prove that honestly he's anything at times, but a liability on the ball because he gets caught in possession too many situations. He gets caught dodling on the ball, makes bad tackles. Um, so from a midfield standpoint, I think it would be him. And that's also because the rest of the midfield that played last year is now going to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I guess. How about you, Bickler? If you had to pick a person that ah, that's probably directed at that for on the ball stuff, who would you point out? I, I agree with Galia. Tiago is probably the most obvious one, but I think you could throw a dart and hit any of our center backs too. Um, I think like playing Good out of the point. back used to be a strength, and that is no longer a strength. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so, in terms of the preseason one thing i want to bring up that you mentioned earlier about you know like the right wing we talked about how the performances might not really translate and you can only tell certain things but based on what you guys seen so far ben doke is he a viable option to be coming off the bench as a right winger this year or is it going to be one of those deals where they're like oh he had a great preseason but uh, we're going to loan him over here kind of deal bigler Let's start with you. I have not seen enough of Ben Doak to be able to know that. Like if I was in training, I probably would feel more comfortable with my evaluation of him. But I mean, we've seen this so many times between Jordan Ibe to Benny Woodburn to like even Harvey and Spats. Like we just see this all the time. I feel like young kids come into a squad and they have almost like a natural, what we call in retail, you'll remember this to the J curve, right? With the new oh. store open, you start here, right? You drop down and then you come back and you settle somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's what we see with these young kids come and they always come and they peak right here. And then the bottom drops out and we don't know where that median is. So I just don't think I've seen enough of them yet to know that. I, and I certainly don't love risking your depth on that. How about you, Gally? I know you said like you didn't watch the games in full, but based on I, what you've seen, yeah. and read. Based on the highlights I've seen and what I've read from others, he's been an extremely impressive piece of the camp. The manager doesn't usually talk about young kids unless he really wants to build them up for one of two reasons. He's either going out on loan or he wants to sell them, or he literally wants him to know what an important piece he is and, and that he's like galvanizes that, the emotional attachment. It feels to me like he has, I mean, he gave him a start with eight other guys who are going to start at Chelsea in the first match. So he believes in him enough that right now I do believe he's number two on the depth chart at right wing. And I don't think there's any chance he's going out on loan. And from all accounts, what he's doing to Paul's point in training has been really, really exceptional. And it's all the other stuff, which is showing his maturity, his size, his strength, his improvements from last year. And if there's one thing he proved in his cameos, he has pace on pace on pace because they say he is like flat out top speed faster than Mo with and without the ball, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So 
when we always joke, you don't want to, you can't have a backup like Harvey for Mo because it changes everything you do as soon as you bring him in. Yeah. He's not Mo Salah, but if he can still create havoc in the first half of Europa League matches and League Cup games, then he fills a role because, to Paul's point, if we need two midfielders and possibly a defender, we're not getting another attacker this summer because we are late to this game. So I think he is our answer at cover for the right flank, whether we like it or not. Yeah, and I think I'm okay with that because, I mean, based on like what I've seen, I've, like I said, I've seen the first game in full, uh, so I watched him there. And obviously we've seen him before as well, but he does seem slightly stronger. He's definitely brave on the ball, and that's one thing Klopp mentioned too. Like he has that a uh, little bit of like Curtis Jones when he first came up. Uh, in terms of like not shy to take people on and do what he has to. He's not too worried about, oh, I don't want to lose possession here. Let me like cycle the ball or anything like that. And he has that speed. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, especially like when you compare the Harvey Galley, like you said, I think it's like a lot more viable because of that pace, uh, the threats of he can beat you behind that you don't get as much uh, from Elliot. But I think he's a viable option. I just do not see him being on the bench to be able to come in in a slot like that because you have the, the death we just talked about unless there are injuries and stuff like that but especially during afghan and stuff like that i would not be surprised to see a lot more of them let's go back to the defense oh, which seems to be i mean like the game today i mean some of the goals and i know these guys don't normally play together and everything especially the goalie i think People underestimate the importance of the goalie behind you. Because, you know, I read a couple of places that are like, oh, they played before together. But that's different with the goalie behind you. Center backs, that goalie, it's almost like a trio there in terms of communication. How concerning is it that we're leaking goals, Bickler? Or is it just preseason, no one cares? Just as concerning as it was last year. I don't take this preseason as any indication of an issue that we didn't have last year. And I think, like, you know, we gotta like we gotta play this thing both ways, right? When we watch preseason, we can't be like, "Oh, look at Darwin; he's gonna kill it this year." And then, like, when we can see it on our back line, be like, "It's it's a colossal disaster. We're on fire. What are we doing?" Right? I mean, I think as Americans, we can all understand how we feel about the NFL preseason, like, and we should take a little bit of that into European football as well. It's true. Yeah, it is. But then, do you look at individual performances at all? Because you got to get, obviously, for them, it's more about match fitness and implementing maybe some of the things they didn't practice, set pieces, things like that. But so I don't think, you know, Klopp is seeing a personal, you know, like a performance out there and saying, oh, he earned the jersey and he's gone and stuff like that. But watching that back line, especially, does that change things, you think, in terms of being in a center back? Or that plan is already made. We're either getting it or we're not going. Well, the number one thing that I will just – I will die on this hill. I don't care what anyone says. I could never see Adrian wear the uniform ever again, and it would, wouldn't be soon enough because I feel like there's a howler. There is a howler from Adrian, and then there is a massive mistake made by a center back when he plays the ball out to them in a bad position like he did to Matip today. And every single time he appears, and like outside of – the Super League Cup, right? Like the the one big moment he had, the penalties shootout where we win the trophy, right? He had like a good run of like five total games consecutively filling in for Adrian the year or filling in for Allison the year of the injury. Other than that, he's really been mediocre the whole time. And I'm all about selling players. So if the right deal comes in for Kelleher, I would make the move. But I'd also look to probably buy a, viable backup number two because I feel like he weakens everything in front of you. The other thing is I thought Matip was really poor down the stretch of last season, though he didn't get a lot of minutes. And I think he's been shockingly bad in two consecutive preseason matches. That makes me almost question is his time at this level of football complete with his skill sets because he was like, I think I saw one place gave him a two rating and then another place quoted them in and that was just four points too high 
So like they were let ready to give him a negative two. I mean, that might have been the Anfield rap, which loves to be a little cynical in their ratings. The only people more cynical than Bickler in his old ratings, which we all miss, by the way. We do all miss, by the way. Yeah, I know like some of their ratings, not Bickler's ratings, but at this Anfield ratings, I kind of take it as they kind of wear different glasses. Of course. Like, things are bad. They put the pink glasses on when it's good and the dark glasses and it's just everybody's like, dude, he wasn't that bad. I know the team was bad kind of a deal, but yeah, it's more for, I think, humor than anything else. But so does, what was your answer to the question? Does it affect our decision or is that deficient in terms of bringing a center back has already been made? It is what it is. I think we need a center back, but I think because two players we didn't expect to leave are leaving, we have to spend what funds we have as wisely as possible. And I think we, we, we are going into this year with these four center backs, in my opinion. Yeah, I, think kind of like partial, I agree, and I think it partially goes back to Klopp's uh, overall philosophy, too. How about you, Bickler? I mean, you think it changes anything how we've done? Adrian, by the way, reminds me of that dude that is not normally a goalie. And, you know, the goalie didn't come uh, to the pickup game. And you're like, hey, man, you want to be in goal? He's like, I'll be there, but I'm not good. And then he just kind of, like, plays, like, lackadaisical passes. or like, I told you guys I wasn't good. Kind of thing, so he gets out of it. That's a good he reminds one. me of that guy you that's, play pickup soccer with. That's a great analogy. Except for he can't speak English either. <laughs> He's more like an assistant coach. Like, somebody didn't show up and they were like, hey, man, why don't you come on and then play? Um Bickler, same question to you. Do you think that decision has already been made or these performances, does it say, hey, you know, we're going to, maybe we should do something and get a center back watching this? I think it's already been made, unfortunately. And it's really terrifying, to be quite honest. It's, it sucks. <laughs> like, it really does suck. Because if you think about when this team was winning everything and you look at our, our back four versus City's back four, that was our advantage. And they flipped it now. Now they have an incredible back three that they play with that are like basically six deep and we've got like we're like well we've got like one and a half center backs that we're gonna see what happened with and the problem is the half is the guy who used to be the best in the world right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah wow. it is i do agree that the plans are probably different due to the fab and handle thing i think uh, gally makes a good point there it's just kind of like might have shifted what we were going to do initially, but I don't even know. We were initially like the guy we wanted, the Van 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 uh, dude, either or we didn't want it. It was just a rumor, but the guy we really want for that position. And I'm okay with, I think that's one position that I'm okay with getting exactly what you want and not settling for somebody that's, oh, he's good, but he's just not as fast or something like well, that. Like, I, I just think, like, we had an op, like, dude, there's a dude out there who happens to be one of the best center backs in the entire fucking world who has gone on record as being a childhood Liverpool fan. Like, what are, like, what are we doing? Like, what? Go you guys are laughing, but it's so fucking obvious to me. Like, what are we doing? Like, what else I mean, does I have to do? He has pictures. Yeah, like, it's like the opposite of what we're doing with Chuamini. Who has said nine times that he's not coming? And we kept being like, well, like maybe though, maybe if we ask. You're like, telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. And then he, and then and then Real Madrid's like, there's no chance. And the dude like likes it, loves it, puts one of those this gifts pointing up at yeah. the <laughs> We're like, well, we'll see. <laughs> and we're like, but we've had secret talks and we're obsessed with signing you. It's like the Valverde thing. Like, if I see one more time, Liverpool's obsessed with Valverde. You know who oh, else God. is obsessed with Valverde? Every fucking club in the world but Real Madrid. You know why? Yeah. He's a world-class talent that makes every team in the world better. You know what team he's going to play for next year? Real Madrid. Like, yeah, on this, well, the Saudis kind of threw a wrench in these uh, Mbappe dreams of what you were talking about earlier in the show, Gally. Like, maybe they have to fork out money for Mbappe. Therefore, they might have to sell one of these guys. And maybe Chumini will change his mind. You never no, know. we'll end up with Danny Sabalos, fuck Sabalos <laughs> showing up. Dude will just show up like pissed off with his head down. Like they finally gave me an extension. Now I got to go to Liverpool. <clears throat> well, that's it for us this week. But before we go, Bickler, the editorial, the YouTube channel. I mean, do your thing. Get one more practice in before. Like and subscribe. Smash that like button.
damn dude that is so good that is so that is so clippable well yeah, everybody I, you heard it right here it doesn't get any better than this with Bickler telling you to smash that button uh so smash the button uh subscribe and we will be back next week sometime uh hopefully with some news and updates and names and all that kind of stuff as we get closer and closer to the season have a great week everybody take care